Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. Wrapping up my sermon, polishing everything up uh, on it. That way you kind of know what I'm talking about when I get here. And, um, it's Mother's Day and I'm writing in some jokes about my mother. You know, kind of talking about her and the funny things she did when we were kids and, you know, stuff that would probably be pretty embarrassing if she were to be here, you know, when I, when I tell you about them. And then uh, last night I got a text and she says, your dad and I are coming up for church in the morning. Maybe, maybe, see, that's what happens when you're the favorite, you know. What happens when you're the favorite? So my mom and dad are here this morning, and I told them I'm not changing my sermon. So you're just gonna have to deal with whatever comes down the line. So this is them right back. Would you wave so everybody would know who you are? (laughs) My mom. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) My my dad's like, no. (laughs) I'd like to meet his dad. I'd like to punch him in the face. (laughs) You know. Let's pray. We'll get into it. God, we love you, and we uh, thank you so much for the wonderful blessings you've given us in our life, Um, specifically um, motherhood and and, and what that is and and, uh, all it entails. Lord, we ask that as we explore that a little bit today, that we can can think of you and we can be appreciative and show our gratitude towards you, towards our mothers and all the other mothers that we know. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mothers are, uh, they have superpowers. Um, It's very rare that we spend any time talking about women specifically in church. When we do, we're typically not talking about women in a positive sense. We're talking about how men need to keep their eyes pure and walk the line and do the right thing. But rarely do we take time to recognize women. Now, um, Within the church, historically, there have been some, not just, not this church, but the church in general, uh, through history, there have been some pretty rough teaching on uh, on women, and that somehow when scripture calls them to be submissive, that 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 is some sort of indication that their intrinsic value is lower than men, and that got taught through the church for a long time. And that's not true. It's absolute rubbish, um, uh, damnable by, by all standards of, of, of good scripture interpretation. Roles and responsibilities, vastly different. Vastly different. But value? Oh, no, absolutely not. I want to talk through some of those. But before I do, I want to introduce you to my mom through a few stories. Now, I didn't have the joy of knowing my mother before I was born, probably like most of you. Um, So I don't know what she was like before I came along. But I suspect there's there's something with children that takes a woman and changes her from top to bottom. Now, I just don't mean in a biological sense. You see, men have this thing to where 
they grow up and they're boys and then they turn into teenagers and then they've kind of got to charge out into life and go find something challenging to push against them or they will remain soft. Women really don't have to do that. Like they carry in their body the capacity for the scariest, most terrifying, um, dangerous thing to ever be done on the planet. And having children, like that is one of the most terrifying things in the, in the world. And some of you charge into it like, yeah, just, it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I'm thinking, like, I was there for two of them, and I wished I hadn't been. Like, it was like, that's more than enough for me, more than enough. I was with a group of guys the other day, and we were telling stories, and we got to talking about different things, and we got to talking about uh, birthing stories, about when those who were around us, they had babies. And they were like, so uh, this was, and there were some guys who were just like, wasn't it the coolest thing when they're like, open, and then you're taking, and I'm like, there's nothing, nothing cool about somebody's insides being on their outsides and like I couldn't, I can't get there in my, there's nothing, do I appreciate it? Oh, more than you know. From a visual place, not okay with it at all. Like that is terrifying, absolutely terrifying to me. I was, I was hoping that God would take away my peripheral vision while I was in the, lab, in, the, in the birthing unit. Like I'm looking at my wife, I'm like, oh, I wish they couldn't see around me anywhere. Like just this. Too scary. See, men have to go find a thing. Women have this capacity inside of them all the time. This is that's pretty crazy. So, back to my mom. So, growing up, I noticed a couple of things. So, my dad told me stories that he used to have a motorcycle, and they would ride them. They would, they would ride this motorcycle, and they would go places. This is when they were, they were you know, the 70s. They were doing their own thing. <sighs> Free, brah, you know? It's cool. It's cool. You know, doing the thing. And just like it was cool. And when I got, when I turned 30, I decided I was going to buy a motorcycle. And instantly my mother was like, oh, it's a terrible idea. Like terrible. Like I'm full grown, you know. No, but you shouldn't do it. Like it was different for me and your dad when we were teenagers. But it's different for you. Like for you, you shouldn't do it. When I'm like, wow. I also remember this. You probably remember this. We went to Branson, Missouri one time, and I think we went all the way there in the back of the, I think we rode in the back of the, the bed of the pickup, right? With the camper shell on top? Yeah, I think so. With some, uh, what, bungee strap seatbelts, maybe something like that? <laughs> Can't remember something like that. No, I think they really were. I think you really bolted something in there. Good. For, but we rode in the back to Branson all the way, you know, in the back of this, you know, camper shell, like underneath it. As soon as I was old enough to drive, my mother said things like this, and I can't remember exactly word for word. This could be a little bit of an exaggeration, but I don't think it is. Always wear your seatbelt and your life preserver unless you're crossing a bridge, and then take your seatbelt off, put your life preserver on just in case the car goes over. That way you could swim out. Always carry something you could break the window with. Like, what? That's a lot to do on a bridge, you know? <laughs> like, instantly, like, that's what it kind of became. Like, that's a lot to be... I should probably just pay attention to the road instead of like, take this off, put this on, pull the string, get the thing out. You know, like I should probably 10 and two, right? But it was kind of like that. It was, it, but if you have a helmet, like a helmet, like a football helmet or a bicycle helmet, like it goes Jared, you know, you know, it gets this, 
Like, it was kind of like that. And, like, there's something happened. Like, something just, just flipped over. Because when we were growing up, I remember she rode around in a car. And, like, if it wouldn't start, she hopped out with the Louisville Slugger. She stuck it down in there. Boom, boom. Banged on the starter. Off we went. We're bouncing around in the back of this thing, like, you know, all the time. But when it's time for us, oh, no, you, you. This is something. Did you check the tires? Did you check the oil? I'm pretty sure it's not a good idea, you know, which takes me to the next point. Mothers also have this really, really cool ability. Some of you, if you grew up with a very uh, protective mother, I won't say overly protective, but a protective mother, they have a certain set of phrases that they use. One of them was this. If you wanted to go do something, and it could have been a little questionable, or, or we weren't sure if it was a good idea, the phrase was always this. Mm, I don't think you should go. I just have a feeling. You heard it, right? Yeah. It's just a feeling. It's just I've got this feel. See, moms have this weird sixth sense thing when they don't want you to go somewhere, you know? I think that's the only time. No, you shouldn't go. You sh I have the feeling. Oh, for crying out loud. Really? The f and that was the expectation. Me and my buddy want to take the car. We want to go cruise for chicks in Caney, which there were none. And so we would go there. And so we would want to go and like, can we please take the car? And can we, this will be so much fun. And then like, you know, if you take the back roads. And she started drifting off into this like heavenly space. And I knew what was coming next. It was, if you, I don't bill. What do you, I just, I have the feeling. And it's just like, ah. If Jesus is responsible for that feeling, then I'm not sure if I'm a fan yet, you know? Like, he gets in the way of a lot of stuff. But that was only, that was only you know, the, the first phrase, you know, that would get tossed out. Another, another great phrase that would get tossed out on occasion, probably, probably one of my favorites, is, uh, can we go? No, you can't go. It's ridiculous. Everybody's going to be there. Okay, okay, here's the next one. Go ahead. Get mad at me because I love you. <laughs> Go ahead. Get mad at me because I love you. <laughs> That's fair. That's real fair. It's real fair. Soup. Yeah. All right. Excellent. Yeah, I will. I am. I am mad at you because you love me. That is exactly, exactly what I am. But, but those two phrases, those two phrases are completely overshadowed by the third one. Mom, that is not fair. Okay. Someday, when you have children, you'll understand. Like, the 18-year-old version of myself would love to come in here and report to you today that she was wrong about everything. <laughs> Unfortunately, the 40-year-old version of me is just like, you'd be lying. She was right about everything. Everything. It doesn't even matter what it was. She must have been right about it. Over and over and over, she was right about it. It was the feeling. We had a, uh, my wife and I had a guest stay with us at one point, a young gal who was, who was uh, kind of in a troubled spot, kind of serving in a respite, kind of a foster care respite type of situation. And uh, she came and she stayed with us for a little bit. And uh, when, I went to, when I went to bed that night, laid down, closed my eyes, I'm about to fall asleep, and I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep. 
And I just kept having this thing that just kept rolling over in my mind. Go get your girls and bring them into your room. Now, to, to be fair, I have a whole lot of thoughts in my head all the time about a lot of stuff. All right? Crazy stuff. Oh, you know that verse, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Like, do you know how busy I am during the day? Like, it's kind of whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Like, whoa, we've got to get somewhere quiet. Like, this is too much, you know? Like, that's a lot for me. I keep having this thought, like, I need to, I need to go get my girls. I need to bring them into my, into my bedroom, my two daughters. And I didn't know why. And I'm just laying there, and I'm staring at the ceiling, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I need you to be clear about this, like, because I feel like I'm marbles, like I'm just insane about this situation, and I don't understand it. And I leaned over, and I touched my wife on the shoulder, and she rolled over immediately, and she goes, what? And I said, she thinks I'm insane already, but I said, I think I need to go get the girls and bring, and she goes, I've been laying here this entire time saying to myself, go get the girls and bring them into the bedroom. And I said, okay, well, that confirms it. And my phone rings. I pick it up. Hello? Hey, Bob, this is Mom. I said, yeah. She said, you're going to think I'm crazy. Would you go get your girls and put them in your room, please? You're not crazy. Unless we're all crazy. <laughs> when I got my girls. I don't know, nothing... Everything was fine. Something wasn't fine, but everything was fine. She was right. See, I had the opportunity to grow up in a home with two parents who loved the Lord. They'd been married 43 years. They punted our behinds through the double doors of the church like a field goal every Sunday and Wednesday. We went. You know what else? I hear parents say this sometimes, like, well, I don't want to make my kid go to church. They might not like it. Um, make them go to church. Make them. At some point, they'll have the opportunity to make their own decisions, you know, when you don't have to keep track of them anymore, and let them at that point decide whether or not they want to make those decisions. But if you think it's a good thing for them, make them go. Make them go. And we went. But that really wasn't the most powerful part. I can't tell you the number of mornings I woke up and there'd be a small lamp sitting in the corner and she would be laying there, she'd be sitting there in a chair in her bathrobe reading scripture. See, my mom and dad both have the same Bibles that they've had my entire life. They're swollen, they're dog-eared, they're underlined, they're highlighted, they're marked to pieces, scuffed and scarred. They've had the same Bibles as long as I can remember. In fact, when I was younger, my brother got sick. And when he got sick, I don't know exactly what was going on, but I remember my mom stopped eating, and I didn't understand that. Like, she stopped eating. And I thought, I don't know if you can hunger strike God, but it seems, I mean, if that's what this is, I'm going to hunger strike him? Or... And then that's when I learned what fasting was. And for three days, my brother's sick. She fasts and prays. My brother got well. And I saw her do that multiple times for multiple reasons for different people. I learned about it there. I learned about the importance of Scripture 
and why we read it and why it's good to take it in? Because if you do and you take it in, what happens is it comes out of you. I learned about prayer. I learned about how to be kind. I learned about that feeling, you know? When my kids come up to me and say, hey, Dad, would it be okay if I went to so-and-so's and I stay the night? And the other day I said to myself, you know what, I think that would be... I don't know. I got a feeling. I'm like, can't escape it. Just this thing that happens. It's been passed down to me. My wife looks at me. She's like, I don't feel good about it. I don't feel we've got the same feeling. So no. Going down. No. But not everybody has had the same experiences that I'm talking about. Some people have had experiences not knowing the gentle, careful love of a mother, but something else completely different, maybe absent, maybe abusive. Some of you have had this desire to be a mother, but it has not been realized in your body. You hope for this thing, but it hasn't happened. And I can tell you this, that there's a scripture in Isaiah, Isaiah 66, I believe, I can pull it up. Sixty six thirteen. As a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. This idea that God says, I will comfort you like a mother comforts her child. I can tell you this, life is complicated. Biology is complicated. Sorting out the spiritual and the physical is complicated. Understanding why people do what they do and don't do what they should do is complicated. But I'll tell you what is simple, and that's this, that God loves you and will give you the comfort that you need. You may not get the comfort that you want. He will give you the comfort that you need. He will put you back together. He will give you the ability to be loved and to love in the way that maybe you've never, ever experienced in your entire life. But you can only know that from God. See, what I want to do is I want to highlight the three things that I think motherhood is just, uh, what makes motherhood absolutely amazing. This is just in my own experience. Maybe you've got three that are better. But I've got three that I want to share with you. The first one is this. Motherhood is transferable. Motherhood is transferable. Luke and I were talking the other day about a lady we knew growing up. She was close to our family. In fact, our friends, cousins, was their mom. And we loved her. She was so incredible. We loved our own mother, but this woman was, she just dripped motherliness, if that's a word, just that she just dripped it. 
Everywhere she went, if you were this tall or lower, she would become your mother just instantly. She was just that kind of person, so sweet, always doting on the people around her. She was such a good mother to the point that even Luke and I in this conversation, we said, you know what, someday when we grow up, like, did you ever have the thought, I want to marry somebody like her? And we were like, yeah. And why? Because the first thing that we understood about love came from this lady, this, this woman, this, who she was such a mother. She was such a, she wasn't our own mother. We loved our mother, but this lady was beautiful and she wasn't our mother. It would be so cool to be her son, except I don't really want to be her son, you know, but it's just, she was so sweet and so good. It's transferable. Upon the cross, Jesus looks down as he is, as he is leaving this world. And he looks at John and he looks at his mother and he says to John, John, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. See, motherhood has this weird transferable quality. Like you can't stop mothering people once you've kind of begin, became a mother. You see a situation, a kid in a park alone, and you're thinking, where's this kid's mother? I've told this story before and I love this story so much. I just love it so much. It just... It works for so many different things. It's such a good analogy. Come back from, from the store at my apartment complex, and I got accosted by this crazy woman in our, in our apartment complex. She comes running up to me, and she's right in my face, and she said, have you seen a little boy wearing a red and white striped shirt? I can't find him anywhere. I said, no, I have not. And she looks maniacal. And she goes storming around the building, and everybody's looking... Everybody's looking for this kid, and you're thinking, I don't I hope nothing happened. And about that time, a cat comes pouncing through the middle courtyard, and right behind it was this little toddler in a red and white shirt chasing this cat, trying to grab its tail. And mom spotted him, and I've never seen a kid get spanked and kissed so many times <laughs> in one minute in all my life. Where have you been? What? Bad. Pay it. Stay with me what is wrong with it was the weirdest assault i had ever i had ever witnessed in my entire life why does that happen because there's this just kind of insane quality what's crazy is this is that there were other ladies kind of following her around what were they doing it's not their kid but there's something happens it's transferable you look up and you see somebody in that position and you think they need a mother only a mother can fix that which goes out to you who are in education, you who've got into foster care, you who've done adoption, you who've spent your time working with youth, who somehow, for whatever weird reason, you thought to yourself, you know what these kids need? A mom. Wow. I think it was Abraham Lincoln who said something along the lines of, no man is poor who has known the love of a mother. No man is poor who has known the love of a mother. It's a transferable quality. In fact, uh, <clears throat> the book of Titus, Paul writes to Titus and he says, this is what I want you to tell the church, the people that you were, that you were with. And he says, Teach the older women to be reverent in the way that they live, not to be slanders or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and their children and to be self-controlled and pure. Paul tells them, tell the mothers, unleash the mothers, is what Paul says. Unleash them. 
Find all the older ladies in the congregation and then sick them on all the young ones. Why? Because the young ones are crazy, right? And the older ones are like, you're going to have to straighten up. It's not going to work. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. You need to listen to me. Unleash the older mothers on the younger ones. Why? Because it's transferable. It's this weird transferable quality. It just leaks out into other places. That's the first thing that I think is really cool about it is that it is transferable. The second one is this. Motherhood is a brush with divinity. Motherhood is a brush with divinity. Here's, here's, how, I get, here's how I get there in my head. Psalm 139, 13 and 14. For you formed my inner parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when, yet, when as yet there were none of them. See, motherhood has this, this really, this, it's, it's like a brush with, the, you are the portal from heaven. Like we cannot experience what, this, what this, this next life is like unless it's through you. And all of a sudden, you bring these children into our life and we begin to understand, oh, so this is how God loves me. If it wasn't for you, how would we understand when God says, I love you? I love you. Like, like a mother loves a child, or like when Jesus was weeping over, uh, over the side of Jerusalem, and he says, oh, how I wish to cuddle you underneath my wings and protect you like a mother hen does her, her, her chicks, but you won't have it. How would I ever understand that until these little ones show up in my life, and I think, oh, no wonder God is crazy sometimes. No wonder no wonder when you read through the scripture, you find God, he, he's almost schizophrenic on some level. Like he makes some, I love you so much, and I'm going to discipline everybody. You know, we're going to get you. Why? Because when you have children, that's what happens to you. Something happens to you. It's a brush with divinity. The third thing is that motherhood is a constant tugging at the robe of the Messiah. That's the picture that I see. <clears throat> and I see you mothers nodding your heads like, oh, yes, it is. It is a constant tugging at the robe of the Messiah. It just is, isn't it? No, dear Jesus, you better stop him. <laughs> Lord, you better do something. Protect him, protect him, protect him. Get him, get him. Soften their heart. Please soften their heart. It's a constant tugging at the robe of the Messiah. There's nothing quite as disturbing as when I know that my mother is praying for me. Okay, well, I'm just going to pray for Don't talk to the Lord about me. Don't you do it. Because when you do... Screw everything up. <laughs> she says, I've been praying for you. Don't do it, please. Please don't do it. 
been praying for you. Why? I think ministry is the thing you're... I think ministry is the thing you're going to go do. You will watch your mouth around Jesus. Bring it up to him. You bring it up to him and he probably do it. Don't say that to him. Constantly tugging at the robe of the Messiah. On her knees, begging for her children. That's what mothers do. Motherhood is a constant tugging at the robe of the Messiah. There is this wonderful story. Matthew chapter 15. I'd like to read it to you. Matthew 15, verse 21. Leaving that place, <clears throat> Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from, from demon possession. Jesus did not answer her. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, Lord, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. She's chasing him a minute ago. Now she comes and she gets in front of him and she's stopping him and she kneels in front of him. She's got a hold of him like this. And she's in front of him. And she looks at him and she says, Lord, help me. And he said, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. And she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs at the table get to eat the crumbs that fall from the master. Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Go home, your daughter is well. He said, I didn't come for you. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. And she says, yeah, but have you seen how your kids play in their food? Have you seen how they toss around the bread of life like it doesn't really matter? I know what it means to be hungry. I know what it is to need. And those kids that are up there just playing at the table, smashing stuff and throwing food off the table, they don't even care. But I care. I am in need. And I'm in front of you. And I'm begging, would you please? And she tugs at the robe of the Messiah. And Jesus stops and he gives her one of the greatest compliments that he gives anybody in all of Scripture. Lady, I have, I have not seen faith. This is... You have great faith. You have great faith. Go home. Your kid is well. Go home. Your kid is well. Motherhood carries with it this prayer life. It should be cultivated more and more all the time. But it carries with it this this relationship to the divine, to where it's this constant tugging. Look, you know you are at your, at your limit on how you can control your kids. 
how you can control your life. You come to a place to where I am at my limit. Somebody else has got to reach them. Lord, put people in their path. Lord, put somebody in their path. Let them run into somebody. Because it's a constant tugging at the robe of the Messiah. So to all the mommies that are here today, um, I want to say thank you. I want to say I appreciate your spiritual example that you have set for your thankless, the thankless number of diapers that you have changed and, and, and the green nasty peas that you feed kids, which I don't understand that part of you, but why you would do that. But, but for wiping that off of their faces all the time, for caring for them in all these little ways that puts us together and makes us whole. And we want to tell you that we appreciate you, that we thank you, and that we think that your value is equal to that of anybody else on this planet. What you do is incredible. You have superhuman power. You have superhuman gifts. We love you, and we appreciate you. And also, to my own mother, thank you. You did a wonderful job. I appreciate you being here with your favorite son. <laughs> of the other two options, you came here. It's pretty good. Let's pray, and we'll go home. Lord, we love you. We ask that you will put the gratitude in our heart to be thankful for the things that are around us, to not just memorialize moms on this day, but to think of them often, to appreciate them often, to speak well of them often. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful day.